We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Conversations here with Dan. Sorry we missed last week. There was a bunch going on. There sure was. Yeah, so we had a little bit of trouble getting everything recorded in time. So thanks for bearing with us, being patient. But we are back this week with a, not necessarily like straight from a passage discussion, but a good general discussion question for us, okay? It's about preaching. It is about preaching. I'm going to adjust my microphone cord here. That way it's not sticking up the whole time. Uh, so the question is, what makes a good sermon? So if, if you were to go out of a church service mm -hmm. and you were to say to the preacher, that was a really good sermon. Yeah. What would you, Jed... <laughs> mean by that? I was going to say, what would I mean or what do I think most people mean? Um, if I come to a preacher and I say that was a good sermon, I walked away with some concrete knowledge, maybe that I didn't have before, maybe something that I was reminded of, definitely something that convicted me or gave me an action moving forward, um, probably gave me something that I wanted to share with someone else. So definitely... Bible-driven knowledge, but with an action point at the end. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I think in this time of, of uh, craziness and COVID and isolation and everything, uh, a lot of us are struggling with uh, what we should say to congregations, how we should say it, mm. um, what's relevant. And I think it's worth... It's worth looking at for all of us. What makes a good sermon? Yeah, because kind of the flip side of this, if I was to say, what do general people mean when they say, hey, that was a good sermon? And I get this some as like, hey, that was a good worship service. And I think it's on similar planes here. Usually it's nothing offended me <laughs> today. Or it made me feel really good or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was just a good... Well, that was nice. There was a good flow, feel, whatever. Or it was like watching a tear-jerking movie, and it made me cry, and I feel emotionally Maybe. better. Yeah. 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 But I, I think it's definitely more of I passively absorbed something that made me feel good in one way or another, depending on my personality. And I can't really define it. Yeah. I think it's more if we were to then follow up with, hey, so what did you like? Or, you know, what passage really impacted you? This may be an unfair thing, but I would say 75% probably don't have a concrete answer for the follow-up. I, I think you're probably right. So let's let's turn to the B-I-B-L-E, and let's think about what okay. makes a good sermon. Yeah, sure. Jed, look up 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, if okay. you would. We'll see how Jed's feeling as far as the public <laughs> reading of the scriptures go today. Some, 2 Timothy 4.2. Some days more tongue-tied than others. Second <laughs> okay. right. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Okay, an old teacher of both yours and mine, who's now deceased, mm -hmm. used to ask us why 
W-H-Y are you preaching this lesson? Yeah. Is, is this lesson designed to just inform people about something? Is it designed, as you said, to really convict people of something? Mm -hmm. Is it designed to persuade people that they need to do something? Mm. Is it designed to comfort people who are grieving over something? Yeah. What is your goal in this sermon? Yeah. And it, all of those may be worthy goals, but you need to know you need to which pick one. one. You yeah. need to pick one, and you <laughs> need to know what it is when you get ready to preach a sermon. Absolutely. In this passage, he uses three words. He uses... Uh, how does yours translate it? Mine says reprove as the first one. All right, reprove is is a Greek word which means actually to explain something clearly so that somebody else understands it. Mm. Now, there's not a great deal of preaching today that clearly explains things so much so that people outside of uh, yourself say, wow. I get it. Mm. I see that. That's really true. That and then light comes on in their head, and they realize that that's really what God says. Yeah. That's yeah. conviction, like you were okay. talking. Okay, I was going to say, is is this explanation like explaining a concept and a word, or explaining a gospel message? It's explaining a it's explaining a biblical truth, the truth of a passage of scripture, a general mm. doctrinal proof that really is biblical clearly so that people can get it. Yeah. Could we say it's illuminating a truth? Like it's shedding light on something? Yeah, it's it's making it so that well, for example, if we're explaining sin and why mm -hmm. sin is bad to somebody and we we lay that out there and we lay out the effect it has on God and the effect it has on people and mm. all that stuff so that people you know it kind of clicks and says I yeah. you know I understand that, you okay. know, and it's very clear. Um, that's reproof. Okay. And um, people think in terms of preaching and passion and excitement, but some preaching needs to be clearly explaining. Mm. Another yeah. passage that elucidates that, Second or First Peter 3.15, mm -hmm. there's a different word used there. It's the word apologia, apology. I'm so sorry, Jed, that I mistreated you all. No, no that's not, not what that it, that's not no. what it means. Yeah. But it is the word, first Peter three fifteen. Uh, where it says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason. All right, yours translates you? it defense, but mm. apologia means yeah. Like Justin Martyr wrote two books called his first apologia, mm. his first apology and his yeah. second apology. They mean a reasonable explanation of yeah. something. And he was explaining clearly to the emperor mm. what Christians do and why they don't need to be afraid of Christians. Yeah. This is where people probably have heard of apologetic teachers. Yes. Yeah. They're giving an explanation. So mm. so this first one in 2 Timothy 4 is some preaching is about explaining biblical truths. Okay. The second one, uh, rebuke, means to correct something. Yeah. Now that means... If people are doing something wrong, or if there's a wrong attitude, or if there's a wrong behavior, mm -hmm. you need to correct that behavior. Yeah. And you need to say, God hates this behavior, and this is why this behavior is bad, and this is why we can't have it, and this is mm. why you need to correct it. These are the ones where people go, oh, you stepped on my toes, preacher, you know, yes. and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. how much of our preaching today really does that because we're so politically correct, we're afraid to correct where correction mm. is needed. <clears throat> 
So a biblical lesson might be to correct something that's wrong. Okay. And I may hate it because it convicted me in that way, but it might be really good lesson. Yeah. And then the third one is exhort, which means to mm. encourage. And that's more like, all right, guys, this is what the Lord wants us to do. Let's get up and do it. Yeah. Let's let's go. Let's get this done. Yeah. So persuading would go along with that. Would that also be one of the lessons like when you're really trying to teach people the joy behind grace and mercy, would that be that sort of sermon, or is that a slightly different shade of it? That would be that would it be included in that, yes. And also that could be included in you could mix up the explaining why we ought to have joy and encouraging them to have that mm. joy. Both of those are are they could be included in that. Yeah. So but in any way, those sermons are different types of sermons, but they're all good. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so then the next thing about a good sermon is it needs to have a legitimate biblical message. Absolutely. It doesn't need to take some words from the Bible out of context and say whatever you want to say. Mm. Uh, there's a minister friend of mine whom I love dearly um, that once he came into my office and he said, um, I have an acrostic, and his acrostic was this, and I need some points to go with my acrostic. <laughs> and I said, brother, I think you've got this backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to find a biblical passage or something in an actual truth of the Bible mm -hmm. and start with that and then maybe build an acrostic to, to explain that truth. But you've, you, yeah. you just have a message in your head you want to share. Yeah, you're trying to fit a passage to your message instead of fitting a message to the passage. And now, now we're talking. So okay. there needs to be a message that really arises legitimately contextually from a biblical text. It's a legitimate biblical message, and that needs to be conveyed because in that passage you read, it says preach the... Word. Word. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a good one because there's a lot of times that you going back to the when you walk out and say, man, that was a good message. That was a good sermon. I've heard a lot of good speeches. That was a good Rotary Club talk. I mean, it was a good, like I would say, even a good moralistic encouraging speech that calls me to something. But, but it had very little to do with the actual E-I-B-L-E. Yeah, e. There might be one verse that was, oh yeah, the Bible talks about that in that one spot, but you can tell that wasn't the crux of the matter that they were getting at. And you could have heard the same message probably in any number of places, church or not church. And yeah. yeah. I often think of this like when I would go to state or national conventions for mm -hmm. Technology Students Association or FFA or something, and a obviously Christian speaker would be up front and they would give a great speech and you can tell there's like Christianity in there, but since they're speaking to a wide audience, they're not preaching to you, so to say. Yeah. And then I'll hear that same style come into a church building and I'm like, I want to, I want it different. <laughs> like, I want it to be a little bit more overt Bible when I'm well, in worship. Well, in your passage there, read down to verse three and four and five. Yeah. Okay. So verse three of chapter four, second Timothy, uh, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they will have itching ears that will act, uh, that will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you always be sober minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. All right, so what people want to hear and what people need to hear are often two different things. Mm -hmm. And as a preacher or teacher, we need to be sure that we're teaching them what they need to hear from the Bible, proclaiming the whole counsel of God. 
Yeah. And so it needs to be a legitimate message. And when we speak that legitimate message, we need to state a clear core message. Mm. Now, there sometimes we may pick a topic like faith. What are you going to preach on? I'm going to preach about faith. Well, I mean... <laughs> you know, there's 10 jillion verses on faith and all of them going in different directions. Yeah. What exactly do you want to say about faith? What aspect of it? And, yeah. and what are you trying to impress on the people and what change do you want to make? So it mm. needs to be targeted. Um, so I, I acquaint a, a good sermon with driving a nail. Mm-hmm. And that nail is the core message. Yeah. And I think you should be able to state that core message in one real short, clear sentence. This mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. And you should hit that again and again and again in that sermon so that at the end of the sermon they know what it was about. Yeah. I I would change it a little bit just with my background of like teaching to kids and everything. It's almost a if you could explain it to a five year old and they would understand clearly what you were getting at well, then you're for sure an adult audience can get. And right, can and that five-year-old would repeat to you in a word or two what that was about. Right. And that's your core message. Yeah, that, that <laughs> means that you really understood what you were getting at. That's right. And then um, I think that in Paul's writing to the Colossians, if you'll go over to Colossians 4 okay. and look at verse 3 and 4, he, he kind of gets down to what we're talking about here. There we go. Colossians where? Chapter 4. 4. Verse 3 and 4. All right. 4, 3, and 4. He says, At the same time, pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. All right. So on the one hand, pray that God will open a door for the word. So, okay, you've got open doors, you've got people ready to listen, but pray that I may make it clear mm-hmm. as I ought to speak. Now, many preachers that preach sermons, they'll read long passages of Scripture, and within that passage, there's one or two lines that really mm. say what they want to say. By reading that whole long passage of Scripture, they obscure that two lines that they really want to get at. Mm. Now, if they're preaching an expository sermon and they want to pull the main truth out of a passage and they read the passage, that's different. But they need to, if if you're going to make, if you're going to use various Scriptures, those Scriptures need to be to the point and they need to say exactly what you want to say. And I think this is a conversation you and I have had kind of in the hallway sort of thing. Yes. Because... I love a sermon that starts with a longer reading. Yeah, you love me... expository yeah. preaching. But I but I also appreciate that when you're doing the bouncing around sort of thing, it's like, okay, I want to get kind of what you're talking about, that one scripture that further illustrates what we're trying to get at. But let's say you're doing an expository lesson and you pick a, a section of scripture. Mm-hmm. If you're a good expository preacher, you should read that section of Scripture for yourself, and you should say to yourself, Mm -hmm. what is the core main idea of this passage? And at the beginning, you need to state that, Mm -hmm. and then you read the passage, and then you point out in the passage where that core message is brought out, and then at the end, you restate it so that the people got the core message of that passage. Yeah. You're not just going willy-nilly doing anything you want to through that passage. Yeah, like I, one of the expository ones I listened to just this week, it was he was assigned to preach over Galatians chapter 6. And he said very clearly, I think the problem with 
preaching on Galatians chapter 6 is it really starts two verses earlier. And so he said, we're going to start here. And then he read the whole thing. And then he said, but what we're going to focus on is just that transition point between here and here. And so then he reread that passage and then worked me down. And I was like, I loved that because it gave me all the stuff. And I know that's not everybody's stuff. Yeah, you, but you like teaching. Yes. But, and, and good preaching is also good teaching. Mm-hmm. But for the woman that's fighting her two little kids and for the man that's tired from working through the week, yeah. oftentimes, oftentimes the type of teaching you like, they won't absorb it unless it's made very succinct and clear in yeah. the form of a sermon. So Which you can do. You can do. In a good sermon. And I think this is where... In a good where, expository sermon. But yeah. a lot of people that say they're going to preach expository lessons... Yeah. They don't really bring out the core message of the passage. Yeah. They and just take off of different phrases and go different directions, and that's not expository yeah. preaching. And the flip side of that is a lot of people will say they're really good topical preachers, when in actuality they're just... They're taking scriptures <laughs> out of context from all yeah. over the place. Or yeah. they're just going, hey, I'm going to grab every scripture that uses a certain word and then throw it out there, and you go, but what was the point of this exactly, study? Exactly, yeah. exactly. All right. Lastly, to kind of pull this thing together, Mm -hmm. one time a lady in this congregation came up to me and said, Dan, this was years ago, she said, you're good at telling us the what. Mm. You're good at telling us what the Bible says, but what about the so what? Yeah. In other words, how do I take that and use that this week? And that really helped my preaching. Yeah. Because unless there's a clear application, like you were saying at the beginning, Mm. unless there's a a convicting something that gives you a takeaway that says, because of being convicted by this, I'm going to go do something differently this week yeah. in my life. So many lessons don't have a really clear application. If you have a core message, what's the clear application of that message to those people that are listening to you? What can they do with that? How can they change with that? Mm-hmm. So. This is where really good illustrations and really good application come in. Mm-hmm. And you make that application to the person perfectly clear where you leave and you say, okay, based on what we've talked about this morning, let's go out and do Whatever. X, Y, or Z yeah. this week. Yeah. So that makes, that makes a good sermon. If there's nothing the person can take away... Mm-hmm. that's going to change anything about their thinking or about their life or whatever yeah. this week, then I'm not sure that's a really good... Yeah, there may lesson. have been a fascinating point about a Greek word or a historical context or and whatever. who cares? But yeah, unless it changes the way that they look at Scripture, the way they use it, the way they live their life. Brethren, this week I'm going to explain to you synagogues and how the synagogue arose in the post-captivity period and how the Jewish people meant to gather in the synagogue. I'm just going to let you keep going. And they read the scriptures and they prayed. Now, there were many synagogues in Israel, (laughs) but only one temple in Jerusalem. Therefore, we've come to understand this week the synagogue. Now, if there's anyone here that wants to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized, well, let us stand and sing. Is this a sermon you preached before? I'm just curious. (laughs) I want to hurt you now, Jed. <laughs> no, but I, I get the you point. You understand? Yeah. That the, uh, it might be great information about something. Yeah. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. Yeah. And Unless you make the turn of, 
and here's where the synagogue changed into the, you know, the church, or here's how this yeah, was fulfilled and, and in such and such. And what are we such, supposed or, to do, and how does this affect our singing, or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's got to be a, a turn at some point. Yeah, And one that flows from the scripture. Like, my mom, I love my mom, I miss her, she's been dead several years, but she used to say, Jesus chose them one by one, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and she'd tell them all about the 12 apostles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you can name the 12 apostles. Yeah. Who cares, and so what? We're not saying you shouldn't know who the apostles are. No, no. but I mean, <laughs> what does that have to do with you and me and our lives being yeah. changed right now? Yeah, and that's this is different, but I think about that in the material we present in our Bible classes because it's not just sermons that need the... Why is this important? It's for the lessons to the kids. Yeah. It's really a, a simple teaching principle. Mm-hmm. It's talking about having an objective for your lesson. There you go. So, and a behavioral objective is what you use when you outcome from the other side good. of it. Yeah. So I guess one of the closing things, because there may be some guys out there that are preachers or some people who have considered stepping into the pulpit, you know, on some sort of part-time basis or whatever when the opportunity arises, and they may be thinking, well, I'm not doing that or I'm not good at that, is preaching like an innate, oh, you're a good preacher because you're just born with it? Or is this a skill that they can hone? Being being a preacher, part of it is an ability to get up and speak in front of people. And a lot of people, salesmen, have that ability. Mm-hmm. So that helps, certainly. Another ability is the ability to organize things and and reduce things to their essence mm. and you have to be able to organize your thoughts and reduce them to an essence so that you can plainly and clearly articulate them to somebody else so clarity yeah. you don't have to be a great speaker if what you say is very well organized and very clear mm. and mm-hmm. very well defined these sound kind of like some skills that people could work on some if they of them have the desire. they're definitely skills that can be worked on and of course the hardest part of this whole thing is studying the actual bible which i'm still amazed at how many of our own universities pardon me for saying so will put out people that are supposed to be bible majors or ministry majors Mm. who have really studied precious little of the actual bible yeah and they they don't really realize that their job is to go out there and teach people the message of the Bible. So if you don't want to really study the Bible, don't then you're in the preacher. wrong business. Yeah. So hopefully this kind of gives some good thought, food for thought for a lot of people when they're thinking about maybe maybe even just from a congregational standpoint, the next time you're sitting, maybe it'll cause you to look at sermons a little bit differently. Yeah. Because hopefully we're all seeking places where we're being fed in one respect or another. Right. What's the point of this? Yeah. Um, what's the main idea of this? What am I supposed to do with this? Mm. Because I know that I don't want to speak for every preacher, or song leader, or any of that sort of thing out there, but I love it when people can come to me with concrete examples of what did or didn't work in a worship service or a sermon. Like if you can come and say, man, that point really hit home. It reinforces to me that something I did worked. Whereas at the same time, if they go, this didn't make sense, or this was unclear, or 
why did you put those two songs next to each other? It was a confusing message. I go, oh, I need to rethink some different things. Or I go, very good. that's the part that I just slapped together. You called me out on it, and it convicts me to do better the next time. And I think a lot of our school teachers and other people out there can clearly see that, you know, they put together a lesson plan. They have an objective of what they want the kid to be able mm-hmm. to do, and the lesson is over. Yeah. And they, they shoot toward that objective. Mm-hmm. I've often... Um, warn my students out by saying it's like duck hunting. When I was first duck duck hunting, I'd just raise up my gun and fire into the flock. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't understand why I wasn't killing any duck. And finally somebody said, put the bead of that gun on the nose of a particular duck and lead him just a little bit and fire at that particular duck. When I started doing that, I started killing duck. A preacher's got to know exactly what duck he wants to kill in that sermon. And he's got to shoot only that duck, Jed. You okay. Go get a shave, and, and I'll see you later. Let's hammer a nail. I like <laughs> That's that. That's right. No, I like eating duck, too. Anyway, <laughs> off topic. Thanks again for joining us this week. And if this prompted anything that you want to talk to us about, maybe good and bad sermons or other things you've heard taught or in general ways you've prepared, as always, we'd love for you to reach out. Uh, we do a lot of replying to people through the week. And we hope to continue doing that. Yeah, don't be too mean to us when you, when you reply to this one. Okay, see you later. Be as mean as you want. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll bye. see you next week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.